We are now less than one week away from the World Cup final, and that means we are less than one week away from the Managing Madrid podcast live in Toronto, World Cup final edition, Flatiron Firkin Pub, downtown Toronto, 4 p.m., a few hours after the World Cup final concludes. We are coming back to Toronto, baby. We're so looking forward to having a Madi Lisa party with you guys in TDOT. So, congratulations to everyone who have booked their spot to the podcast. Can't wait to see you guys. For those of you guys who are not in the party yet, go immediately to the show notes. Click on the link. Book your spot to the Toronto podcast. Make sure your spot is penciled in because the room is virtually at capacity and we can't just have people showing up. You're going to be making sure you got to show your ticket at the door and all that stuff. So make sure to book your spot ASAP to the Toronto podcast. We're giving away signed stuff from the Real Madrid players and official La Liga swag as well. So brush up on your Real Madrid trivia before you come as well. It's going to be a ton of fun. You're going to meet other Madridistas and party with them. It's going to be fantastic. Great. Uh, can't endorse it enough. Toronto is just such an awesome city with so many Madridistas and we really, really look forward to coming back to Toronto. So do that right now. Uh, and then just some housekeeping for those of you guys who want our thoughts on Endrick. We recorded a whole podcast about Endrick, his tactical fit, his price tag, our inside info on him and the deal over on patreon.com slash managing That's a bit about a 45 minute discussion. So if you want access to that, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And then coming up today, we got part one. Lucas and I are going to talk about Rainier Jesus, January round schedule. We're going to talk about Carlo Ancelotti to Brazil rumors and other stuff. And then part two, it's Castilla Corner. Ruben and Hridium are going to talk about a bunch of Castilla stuff. And just to let you know, tomorrow is the big day. Croatia versus Argentina. If you want access to that post-game show, also on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. We got it penciled in right now with Jose Perez and Siddharth Ramsundar. The trio was back from the weekend. We're going to break down Modric versus Argentina and whatever comes with that discussion. So go do that. Enjoy today's podcast. And let's get started with Derek Ray and Ray Hudson. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there, and worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest, and the numbers reveal why. Talks ended up almost looking like a 6 3 1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a bonus Monday episode of the Managing Madrid podcast. I know we said on Saturday that we probably won't record until Tuesday, but then, you know, we might record on Monday. I wasn't sure. And Lucas and I are going to unearth some talking points. We're going to scrape the bottom of the barrel and get something out for you guys just to have something in your podcast apps for your commutes today or tomorrow. Uh, We won't leave you guys lonely for too long. So on a Monday, Lucas is here. Lucas, how are you doing? Ikea and everything's fine around here in Spain. It's finally getting colder. Not that I enjoy it much, but obviously colder will be an an, an overstatement for you guys. But everything better than than in the summer. It's bone chilling cold here. Bone chilling. How many Celsius? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't even check. I just 
go out the house and just die of coldness. <laughs> but I think yes, I think like yesterday or something was like minus four, which right. is which is just it's it's on the warm end for what's about to come. We're gonna get like the minus twenties wind chill. It's just really gonna be like go outside to your own peril. Like it's you know. But that's the lowest temperature in the day, like in the middle of the night or or just in the middle of the day you're talking about? Depends on where you are in Canada. Like if you're on the on the west or east coast, it's a little bit warmer. If you're inside, like where Toronto is, that area, or Calgary, Alberta, you might as well be on Mars, basically, yeah. with, a, with an, ast- uh, an yeah, astronaut yeah, yeah. suit. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I remember when I visited the, the Niagara Falls many years ago, it was you know, the, the coldest day I've experienced in my life, yeah. When did you go to Niagara Falls? 2008, I think it no, was. Like what part, time of the year? Oh, yeah, it was December. <laughs> Crazy man, right? <laughs> is that your only experience of Canada is Niagara Falls in December? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I went God. to New York and then and then visited the Niagara Falls one day, yeah. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Although I'm sure it was beautiful. Um, oh, yeah, it was It was great, yeah. But it just, it's just very cold. Um, all right, let's... Um, Actually, today we do have time to just talk about nothing, but uh, why don't we dive into some Real Madrid topics? Yeah, let's go. How much do you want to discuss the Carlo to Brazil rumors? How real are they? How much do we need to talk about it right now? I don't know. Uh, the, the the Brazilian outlet reporting, it seems to be very, very reliable in my opinion. I think it's the most uh, reliable uh, media in, in Brazil. And it makes sense from a from a career perspective for Ancelotti, if you ask me. It, like I think it's uh, somewhat realistic that Ancelotti wants to end his career in such a pedigree national team like the Brazilian one. It's obviously a lighter job than than coaching a club or a regular club, and you know it will also give him like plenty of time to enjoy uh, life and to get closer to, to, to that, to the retirement phase of his career. So I see, like, I see the point, I see the point of both Brazil wanting, wanting Ancelotti and both Ancelotti kind of wanting to, to end his career in Brazil, even though previously months ago, he said that uh, Real Madrid were going to be uh, his last job in, in football. Again, it makes sense, in my opinion, especially considering what he achieved uh, last season with Madrid already. It makes sense to me that maybe uh, he sees the, the writing on the wall here and he quite potentially sees that, you know, his tenure in Real Madrid might not be that long either. So maybe taking on that very different job with the Brazilian national team makes sense. So I think it's, uh, I think it got, it got, it has some traction, those, those rumors and those reports. Don't forget, he has not yet ruled out coaching Canada one day too before he retires. <laughs> He's actually spoken about it. I don't know if he was joking or not, but we do know his wife is Canadian. He spends his summers in Vancouver. So I'm holding on hope. Like <laughs> Real Madrid till 2024, win two more Champions League titles, go to Brazil. Uh, yeah, I kind of want him to just like win a Copa America with Brazil and then go to Canada in for the 2026 world cup that would be a great way to end this career but like look like even with this one with this brazil link he'll stay at ram so long as it makes sense his contract goes until 2024 i still think he'll see it out unless 
he genuinely will feel after this year and the club will feel it too, that maybe he's taking the team as far as he can, this group of players. As great as any coaches, there's always ends to cycles because certain managers, and this is like literally proven, like if you go back into any sports, a three-year cycle for a coach, as good as they are, usually after three years, it becomes difficult to continue motivating the same way you used to. There are exceptions to the rule, of course, but um, as great as Carly was, you know, the cycle will come to an end soon, and he is a bit older. But I also do think, um, as much as I don't really want him to go, and as much as I don't know if he'll go or not, but Brazil actually makes sense for his coaching style. Letting players express themselves, taking players under their wing, getting the best out of a very creative bunch. Gets along sense. really well with Vinicius, Casemiro, and Rodrigo, which is important. Militao also, definitely. Big man management guy, so I have to assume he gets along with Neymar very well too. So yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense on all fronts, both for, for his career perspective in the sense that this is probably his last stage in a, in his career, it makes sense to end your career on a on a on a job like this one instead of Real Madrid. You know, it's a lighter job than Real Madrid. It gives you the opportunity to enjoy life a little bit more and focus on, on just big tournaments and big games, which is also something that Ancelotti does quite well. His record in in, in short tournaments like the Champions League is often much better than than his record in in big in, in long tournaments like La Liga and all that. So. I think it makes sense on all fronts, and that's why ultimately, apart from the fact that uh, the the Brazilian outlets seem to be very reliable, all those things combined make me make me make me believe that this is something that probably has traction and and has some some truth behind it. But I do think it's important to note that the report, even if reliable, it's it was nothing like concrete in terms of deals being done or whatever. It was just oh, basically. No, no, yeah. Arlo Ancelotti would be open to the idea of talking to them in 2023. And that's it. So not to jump the gun and get ahead of ourselves, but it basically just, it's, it's, it's telling us that it's not an impossible scenario if he goes to Brazil. The only thing that makes me a little bit skeptical is that that timeline might not fit that well, considering that obviously you you want a coach like Ancelotti for the for the World Cup. I know that Brazil will be competing in many tournaments uh, in this period in this period ahead of the next World Cup and all that. But you know, four years is a long time, so maybe the timeline doesn't doesn't fit all that well in terms of Ancelotti coaching until uh, coaching Brazil for for three years ahead of you know, the, the main job he will have as Brazil's coach. That's my only my only thought that keeps me a little bit skeptical about it. The, I mean, it's always tricky to, to deal with those timing things, right? Because mm. from his perspective, it might make more sense to join closer to the World Cup, like when yeah. his contract with Real Madrid ends in 2024. From yeah. Brazil's perspective, it's like, okay, what are we supposed to do in those two years? Like yeah. hire an intern for one of the yeah. greatest national teams of all time. Right. You know, it's like, you know, work juggling that timeline is, is obviously a little bit tricky, but yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Let's take a couple questions that came in through discord. Yeah. As a reminder, we have a discord channel. It is open to all. And there's also a subsection in the discord channel in the managing Metro discord where patrons can submit their questions. So we have a couple questions that rolled in on our patron discord channel. It's uh, 
We're going to take the first one from Young Reach 23. Young Reach says, hi, guys. My question is, how are you guys feeling about Real Madrid's journey? Sorry, January schedule for when the whole team comes back from the World Cup via Real, Valencia twice, Athletic Club and Real Sociedad all have that potential to be a similar gauntlet like December 2021, even though the teams in, uh, in that year were much stronger. And these are must-win La Liga games if you want to keep up the momentum for challenging for titles by the end of the season. My main concern is that the World Cup fatigue will be very real in those games. The January schedule is tough. It's tough. For those, all those four teams, uh, Young Rich mentioned, uh, are tough teams to beat, even though I think most of them are at the Bernabeu, right? Uh, Valencia, uh, are at the, uh, you're facing them at the Bernabeu, I think. Villarreal will be away, I believe, and then it'll, you'll have uh, Real Sociedad at home too. So it will only be San Mamés and, and, and Villarreal away for the, from the Bernabeu. Not that it gives you any kind of certainty about Real Madrid's ability to win those those three points in those games anyway. But yeah, it's going to be a very tough schedule right after the break for, for Madrid. And obviously, Ancelotti will be hoping to see uh, the players who didn't feature that much in the World Cup or who didn't feature at all during the tournament, uh, taking care of business and, and being uh, 100% or 120% ready to, to do the job because I, uh, I firmly believe that Barcelona are not going to, to take their foot off the gas in this, uh, this La Liga season and Real Madrid will just have to be ready for it and, and take care of business while they, while they still can. I think Barcelona did a formidable job taking care of these kinds of teams during the last month ahead of the break. You know, we, we all were kind of expecting them to, to drop more points than they did. And they ended up beating uh, all those teams I just mentioned. Even if not in, in very convincing fashion, like the one team, like the match in Valencia and all that, we know that. But at the end of the day, they they earned the, th- the three points in, in pretty much every single game against these four teams. So I think Real Madrid will just have to match what Barcelona did ahead of the break and just uh, grind out and, and take care of business. Uh, in whatever possible way, even if it means that you know some of the uh, some regulars like Chuamene will be tired or fatigued after the World Cup, uh, and, and, and especially Modric too. So I just think Ancelotti and, and his men will just have to find a way. So I remember you pointed that this out to me on the podcast a few episodes ago that the Valencia game, there's two. One is actually in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. The second one is not listed on Ramj's website. So we kind of assume, and I keep forgetting to find out what the uh, actual thing is. But that, yeah, that's that correct. Is- My mistake. Sorry. One, just to clarify what I said, the, the Valencia game, I said it was at home. Uh, I it was my mistake. This is the semifinals in the of the Spanish Super Cup, so it's obviously first of all not at home. It's in Saudi Arabia, and then it's not a, a game in La Liga. So the La Liga game against Valencia at the Bernabeu is March day seventeenth, and it's listed under under February in the in Real Madrid's website without a, a date. It's not they. It doesn't have a, a a proper date on the on the website and. It's listed under February. Not that not that that matters much in, in my opinion. So I think that's just something La Liga and the Spanish Football Federation will have to to figure out, considering that the Spanish Super Cup will also be in the middle of uh, of of that 
month of January, we're talking about potentially if Real Madrid advance against Valencia, we're talking about Real Madrid facing potentially Barcelona in in another El Clasico final of the of the Super Cup in January, and that's definitely something that will make uh, the month of January and also potentially February because it will. Uh, it will take away your opportunity to, to make rotations uh, a little bit more. So January is going to be, it's going to be very tough. I do wonder what's going to happen with some of these games, because a lot of these games are just kind of thrown in the calendar. Mm-hmm. Right now, for example, it's listed that we have also soon two days before Liverpool. Obviously that's not going to happen. That's probably going to be about three days before it like so there's not there's going to be so wherever you throw in that valencia game it's going to be tight um it's just i guess the the point is that it's just going to be non-stop football basically for and, and la liga literally resumes this month real madrid plays this month it's kind of trippy yeah. to think about but yeah as to the question of how this affects the team after the world cup in terms of fatigue and the players coming back this question comes up at least once a month on the podcast. And the answer is, well, we're kind of worried. We don't know what that's going to look like. I will say from just, you know, looking at how this world cup has transpired. I personally was rooting for all of Real Madrid's players, but I'm not like heartbroken that a lot of these guys have come back early. Early depends on what your expectations were from. There's four teams left now. More is just still there too. Many still there. I do. I will say as much as Luka Modric is just an Avenger to me, he's superhuman. I don't know if he's going to be someone that you're going to necessarily rely on week in, week out for the rest of the season. Yeah. I think it's fine to think that maybe you you have him, his energy can serve for the big, like Liverpool games or something. Yeah. But, you know, from the, the day-to-day grind of the Osasunas and Valencias and Real Sociedad yeah. and stuff, it's, it's possible he may be rested in those games or you don't expect a transcendent performance from him. Just because I'm going based on past, I'm not making this up, it's an assumption, but we're going based on what's happened, not only in the 2018 World Cup, but after every single World Cup that has ever existed, there's always a drop in form from these players who are coming back, especially the ones who go deep in the tournament. So... And, but we're also thankful for the fact that Cruz didn't go. Um, Alaba didn't go. Thing could be huge. Benzema could work in our favor, although it's so heartbreaking that he's not a absolutely. Part of the team. Yeah, all that stuff, you know. Um, so, so I, I suppose we'll, we'll see. You know, players like move. players like Ceballos and <clears throat> and Camavinga will will be huge and and very important. Obviously, Camavinga stayed with France and is still there in Qatar, but he's not been a vital uh, vital piece for for the champs. So I have to assume that he will be pretty much ready to play and contribute when when he's back. Although obviously he will be give, he will be given these uh, holidays after the tournament. So, but again, players like Camavinga and Ceballos will have a, a very big opportunity to 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 show their improve their worth, considering what we you just mentioned about about Modric, which is 100% right in my opinion. I don't think we should expect Modric to be uh, playing the Osasunas, the Valladolid, the I don't know, whatever you want to call the Gironas and all those teams during the first two, three months after the break. I mean, it's pretty amazing to me how much Deschamps basically only trusts the three midfielders who start for him right now. 
Rabiot, yep. Griezmann, and Chiuameni. He only made one sub in that England game. And it was Coman coming on the right wing, I think mm. it was. No midfielders got in, even though there was clear like yeah. tactical struggles in the midfield against England. <clears throat> uh, I just feel like if Kamavinga didn't get in a game like that, I don't know if he plays this rest of this World Cup. And the other thing is that I I also am not entirely sure if Deschamps values him. Like in our heads, it's pretty clear, obviously. But yeah. does Deschamps put Vero too ahead of Kamavinga? Does he put... Um, who else do they have? Who's the guy who started like on the left wing? Fofana, I think. Yeah, he yeah, has Fof- the option. Fofana, and then the, there was another Duram, this attacker. Yeah. Um, that last group stage game against Tunisia, they had one of their central midfielders playing on the left wing. I need to get this right, otherwise I, I won't sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> it was uh, someone driving is probably shouting this. Guendouzi. He was playing on the left wing. Ah, so yeah, I, this, yeah. I just don't know if Kamavinga is, is even ahead of those guys in the, in the mind of Deschamps. I mean, doesn't so. seem like it. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I don't know, the Champs is obviously entitled to his own opinion and his own uh, judgment here. And he's, he, he obviously deserves the trust from from his country because of the, um, the tournament he won four years ago and also because of how well France have looked so far this tournament. But to me, Kamavinga being behind players like Rabiot or or, or Guinduzzi or even or even Fofana in the depth chart is a bit surprising. I think Kamavinga is is a better player than those two. And I'm not even talking about potential and and what he can become in the future. I think he is a much a much more interesting player than those I just mentioned right now already. But obviously, maybe the Shams wants more experience and more uh, reliability in terms of. Camavinga sometimes makes mistakes that could cost his team like yellow cards or, or whatever. But again, it's a bit surprising to me seeing that uh, the champs doesn't seem to value him all that much. We're going to take one more question before we wrap it here. It's from Jay Reed on the Patreon Discord channel. He says, it's been an interesting one. Why do you guys think it's written in stone that Rainier will not work out? He's 20. It's a good point. It's a good point that I I get it. I get what, what he's saying here, but I'm just uh, possibly talking about odds and, prob- and probability here. And when you haven't played uh, more than five to ten professional games over the last two three years or your professional career, which should be the most important ones in your career, especially since you're adapting to a new style of football and all that when you are coming from Brazilian football to play in, in Europe. I have to assume, and and I'm told, I'm just talking odds and probability here, then then Rainier will not be, uh, will not reach the potential Real Madrid envisioned in him. He can still be a quality player, He's still a decent player for for a team like Girona and all that, but I'm I'm talking about him uh, fulfilling the potential Real Madrid saw in him when they decided to to spend those thirty million to to buy him uh, four five three four five years ago. I'm I'm just talking probabilities and and not here. And when you haven't had a chance to to play and adapt to a new culture, to a new style of play, to a new team in in two three years. Odds are not in your favor, let me say. It's it's all relative to me. Like when I say 
Rainier did not work out. There's a lot of things that are going through my mind when I make a statement like that. One is that he didn't work out up until now. And I just don't know if he like bouncing back and having a good career, which I have no doubt that he can do. I'm not putting, I'm not saying definitely this is what Rainier Jesus is. Obviously, he has a lot of time to develop. Up until this point, he's gone to Dortmund and Girona. Hasn't been able to break through in either team. Exactly. And you think it like, I always say like the cream rises to the top. Now, on one hand, it's Real Madrid's fault for sending him to Dortmund twice, not just once, twice. Yeah. The second time after it didn't work out, they they kept him there. Yeah. Made no sense. Um, so that's, the club has to own up to that bad decision, first of all. Um, but also, why isn't Rainier breaking through and getting minutes also? Is it because the club doesn't see the value in him because he's on loan. They don't have the long-term interest in developing him partly, but we saw Ashraf Hakimi in that situation was good enough. We've seen many players that go out on loan and also play a lot. Obviously like now we have this new system of uh, selling with rights to avoid Mm -hmm. that problem. Right. So that that's a good step in that direction, but also in Girona, he's coming off the bench. still. yeah. And, um, and so he can still recover. But up until this point, he hasn't worked out. Also, the other thing is that it's all relative. Compared to what Vinicius and Rodrigo have done, It's he hasn't worked out. That's unfair to him. I, I get it's, that. It's a fact. But it's, it's what's happening. Yeah. It's a fact. So, and also working out as a, as a career, as a footballer, is much different than working out as a Real Madrid successful signing. Absolutely. So there's those two distinguishing factors as well, I think, when, like, I, when I say that. Yeah, like what are the odds of him ever uh, reaching the, the 30 million, 35 million value Real Madrid uh, spent on him right Hard now? Hard to see. Hard to see and highly unlikely, in my opinion. Third, we're talking 30, 35 million here. We're talking about a player able to contribute in, a, I don't know, a top five, top six club in a, in a huge league like the Premier League, La Liga, or even the Serie A, we're talking about that kind of guy, right? I mean, you don't see 35 million guys playing, being the starter for, for Girona. It's highly unlikely. It's, uh, we're talking about he, him, him having first to, to to earn his spot as an undisputed starter and a star for Girona, then joining another club above, above that level, proving he's worth it, and then possibly reach that kind of value but odds are not very odds are not very high and that's that's just a fact it's probably unfair to, to say that about a 20 year old but Real Madrid has spent 35 million on him and I don't see uh, odds of him reaching that kind of value at any point during his career very likely at this point I think I think he can become a 10 15 million euro player obviously those players might still get a, a shot at teams like I don't know the Betis the Real Sociedad or, or, or clubs like this, but in order to be a, a 35 million uh, euro player, you need to be a lot better than that. And right now, it doesn't seem likely to me that Rainier will be able to achieve that. Yeah, and, and again, just to reiterate one more time, I think he can succeed. But like to me, like if I'm thinking about a, a player comparable that 
he could aspire to. And if he hits that level, I'd consider him successful. When we signed him, I think if we reach this level as a ceiling, it would be disappointing. But now when I look at it, if he can recover and get to the stage, like let's say if he gets to Sergio Canales level. I think that's like a pretty good, solid career. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's not I, I'm definitely very, exactly. I'm definitely very respectable. I mean, I, yeah. I respect Canales a lot. He's he's been a very a high quality player for for many years now in La Liga. He's been earning his money every single year with hard work and dedication, and and obviously with quality and vision too. But you know, he never. I don't think he ever made his debut for the Spanish national team, for example. You don't spend 35 million euros on a player who cannot make the the country uh, the national the the list the squad list for his country at his peak, you know. So it's fair to say I think that even if he reaches that kind of level, which might be realistic and also his ceiling, I I can see that. I like why not? I don't I don't see the odds of that being done being that low. I think we can all agree that the the transfer the the trans Real Madrid signing of Rainier, even if Rainier reaches that kind of level, can be considered a failure in my opinion, considering the the fee Real Madrid has spent. Yeah, I get like yeah, I'm reevaluating basically. Like when we signed because him, Ca- I had Canales, aspirations, yeah, but how much did Real Madrid spend on Canales? I think ten, right? Like Canales not being able to reach the, the the crazy expectations everyone in Spanish football had about him because of that great season with Racing. I get that, you know, expectations probably weren't met, but at the end of the day, Real Madrid spent 10 million on him. So his career was, I mean, that that alone, I don't think Real Madrid's uh, decision to, to sign him was that big of a, of a disappointment or that big of a failure. However, you know, the fact that Real Madrid spent 35 on Rainier to me means that uh, he should be able, he should have been able or he should be able or at least Real Madrid envisioned that kind of level and, and that kind of talent from him to, to be a better player than Canales ever was. And even if he reaches that kind of level, which can be very uh, respectable and very uh, and, and just very good for his career, ultimately for Real Madrid, I think we can all agree on the fact that, you know, the transfer and the signing wouldn't have been right. To be fair to Canales, too, he had injuries derailed him a Sure, bit. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But again, amazing to have a respectable career, all things considered. He absolutely. bounced back really nicely. Um, all right. Well, I think, Lucas, we can wrap it here. You and I will be back for a much larger mailbag on Thursday. Yes. If people want to submit their questions for that. Quick thoughts. Can- Quick yeah. thoughts on, on, on Vinicius Tobias, Kian. Curious to see since you probably watch Castilla oh. more often than I do. Reports uh, saying uh, on the Spanish press, and also I was able to confirm them that Real Madrid are not able, are not able, are not so sure about uh, whether or not they should pick up the 15 million uh, euro option on him. What's your take? I, obviously, Real Madrid seemed to be somewhat disappointed about his ability to defend or lack of ability to defend, if you will. So far, obviously, still a very young product, but Real Madrid knows not so sure about uh, jumping the gun on uh, and spending 15 million euros on him uh, next summer. They would like to wait a little bit longer. Oh, unfortunately, that uh, option to buy him exp- uh, expires in expires next summer. So a decision needs to be made and, and 
so far Real Madrid are a bit unsure about whether or not they should pick this up. I'm curious to 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 hear your thoughts. Well, I think I think right now it's too soon to make the decision either way, and I think he naturally it took him some time, I think, to feel comfortable in Casilla, but now he looks pretty good. He's, you know, there's maybe the defensive aspect of things, but he's proven that he's able to beat players off the dribble. He can put some good crosses and he can put some great through balls in on that right side. I think he's, I think they, I mean, I, I, I would, I would pick it up, um, but it's still like a year away. Right. So no, no, no. Just six months. Oh, is it? Next, it's next summer. Next summer. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I, I would pick it up still. I would pick it up. I think 15 millions in the grand scheme of things would be nothing if he works out. He's young still. He's, I mean, we've seen players get better after they leave Castilla. Um, there are plenty of examples of this in Real Madrid's history that they just get better in different environments. I, I think it's too soon to, to say no to that. And if I had to decide today, I'd pick it up. But even six months is still enough time to, to, to see it up close. Because what is he like half a year into his Real Madrid career? He came this one summer, year right? already, I think. No, no, no. Last last winter, I think. Oh, winter. R- that's what it was. Right ahead of the of Russia's invasion. Oh, of that's Ukraine, right. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Yeah. Real Madrid are in a tricky spot about the right back situation, and they were hoping to see a little bit more from a little bit more promise from from Vinicius Tobias and what they've seen. I still think he's a quality uh, attacking uh, fullback. But we will have to wait and see if, if Real Madrid have seen enough to, to buy him uh, right away with this 15 million euros uh, clause. Because, uh, again, Real Madrid will, they need a plan for the, for the right back spot. And they need it fairly soon, considering that Carvajal and, and Lucas Vázquez both are both on the, on, the, on the wrong side of their careers, if you will. Like, they're obviously in their decline as players. And they will not be, uh, you should not rely on them in the next three, four, five seasons, if you will. So Real Madrid need a plan and hopefully Vinicius Tobias uh, gives them the ability to, to take this plan and to elaborate this plan a little bit uh, in a bit more calm way, if you will. I'd be interested to see. I mean, I'm, my, my instinct is that I would pick up the option. I, I think in the last, I don't know, last stretch of games, let's say, two, three months, maybe since October or September. From what I've seen from him, he's he's looked much more comfortable in the system. Um, so five-man defensive line though, right? With Castilla? Yeah. At least that's what Raul said some uh, yesterday, I think I reported it on on the site today. Like he said that when he's he's looked much better when when he's had a, a five-man defensive lineup and I the thing is like any wing back will look better in that system by that true by that same token like it's because you just get you can get shields defensively you can stay up the field a little bit more but i i still think it'll be worth picking up funny enough i I, we have part two of this podcast is castilla corner and i know they're talking about the wing back situation so and they watch castilla more than more than i do so we might get some better insight too in this in the second uh half of this podcast so we can also direct our listeners to go and listen to that yes sir. Um, nice transition then nice transition <laughs> yeah so let's uh let's let people listen to part two luke and i luke and i will be back on thursday for a big mailbag so if you want to submit your questions to us go to the patreon discord channel and the discord channel even if you're not a patron is actually still open you can get the link so 
you can submit through there or you can submit them directly through us through patreon.com slash managing and of course to listen to the answers and listen to the podcast itself you need to be a patron so go to patreon.com slash managing to access that enjoy part two lucas appreciate your time enjoy the world cup games tomorrow and wednesday and we'll see you thursday buddy thank you no problem go modric hello and welcome to the magic magic podcast this is me rhythm and i'm joined with Ruben, how are you? I'm uh, I'm fine, William. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, since I'm starting the pod, uh, it's never happened before, by the way. And I'm only starting the pod because I didn't watch the game. So I was here with a list of questions for my, my friend Ruben. And uh, I hope he answered them as well as he can. You don't. You didn't uh, miss out on much, to be honest. Let's just uh, say that uh, first and foremost, not the most eventful game for Castilla this time, but it's still a very important game. So, still a lot to to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we uh, Castilla drew nil uh, nil, but at the yes. same time, it's like you know, it's still ten games unbeaten. So, I mean, that's incredible. Ten games unbeaten. That's just. It's, I didn't yeah, think it's, uh, Castilla were capable of that. I didn't either. I have never seen Castilla play the way they're playing. I mean, even if they are not playing well, they don't lose. So that's like, that's a big plus, I think. Yeah, and um, was a disappointment that uh, it happened in this game because um, uh, we played. Uh, and I'm so, always so bad with the opponents' names. Talavera. We played Talavera, and I always check the table before we we start, and Talavera. On bottom, they are only one team uh, below them in the table. Uh, but I do see that they have uh, had a, they've turned it around, so maybe we face them at a at a bad time. But uh, all right, yeah, nil nil, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, even if we did face them at a bad time, it's like Cassia should like should have still won the game, in my opinion. Like I didn't watch it, but from what I've read and from what I've heard from you um, before the the podcast, it, like. They they should they should have won the game and yes they just like I don't know what happens to them sometimes it's like these 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 draws in the in the last ten games they've most of them have been like non-events as you said mm. uh yeah I mean well but but uh, at the same time well yeah yeah they should have beaten them but uh I last five games of Talavera uh victory draw victory victory and then this draw. So, hmm. I mean, how they are almost on the bottom of this table is uh, incredible. Means that it surely means that they've started the season in a very poor way, and they might have turned it around. I I don't know how good they are. To be honest, they didn't look that bad. Uh, they managed to keep the ball quite well, and um, they made some mistakes, but it seemed like they were. Uh, trying to have the possession and um, trying to control the game a little bit at least. Uh, so it didn't look like um, this incredibly poor team. And Castilla did for sure not uh, just roll over them. That's uh, mm. uh, Yeah, maybe Castilla did have some more chances, but um, in no way did they just crush them and uh, generate chances and chances and chances. That did not happen. Yeah, so you 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 wouldn't say uh, Castilla were unlucky to not get the win. Like they didn't. 
No, unlucky. Well, for example, Alvaro uh, Rodriguez did hit the post with the header. He did also have another good chance uh, from another header. But uh, unlucky, I think that's. I don't think they were unlucky to be honest. I think, mm. um, and this is something that I, I was already watching the game. I was thinking, what am I going to say in the pod? Because um, <laughs> when a team plays like Castilla did yesterday, it's very easy and it's very tempting for me now to say that uh, Castilla underestimated their opponent. Uh, to me, it looked like because like I wasn't the only one who had checked the table beforehand. It looked seemed like Castilla, the Castilla players also were aware that okay, we've had some tough matches lately. Now we're going to have a home game against some of the worst teams in the league. This is going to be a fun game, three nil, four nil. Well, I don't know what the reasons were for for them not performing, but there was not as much intensity um, from the start. It's just silly errors. Um, so I don't know. Don't know if they underestimated them. If they are tired. If uh, there was confidence problems. It's difficult to say. But uh, even though they became better and better, especially in the first half, I didn't think they were uh, performing any well at all. Mm. I mean, the way you described it, they kind of remind me as um, as uh, as an NBA team that I watch, like that I support. It's uh, they're called the Dallas Mavericks. I think you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know so, anything about American sports, by the way. So, oh, okay. But but you can you can still go on. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not. I'm not going to going into detail uh, with that sport. I'm just talking about like they, whenever they play like a really bad team or like a, a like a low like low tier team. They have this problem where they just like drop down to their level and they don't play with that much intensity, don't defend as well as they can, and they end up losing or you know winning just about. So that's kind of like that's kind of what I see with Castilla here. Is there is, is there maybe another team that can maybe I mean, <laughs> fit this description? I mean, uh, if you're talking about the the first team, yeah, <laughs> then I mean. <laughs> to to be fair, like they they've been like that for a while, but this yeah. season I think most of the games they won. Uh, whenever they've played a, like a a mid mid tier team, they probably like they've they've won more games than they haven't, and that's not been the case for a lot of like a lot of the last seasons. But mm. I mean, I, I think there's been an improvement here. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah. I'm not particularly talking about this season, but uh, this was uh, what you were the Mavericks you were talking about. Yeah, the Mavericks, yeah. Yeah, uh, the Ma- Mavericks. It it's, um, fe- sounded like a perfect description of me watching Round Raid over the last <laughs> 15 years or what it's been. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, so um, that was actually something I was yeah thinking about also during the game. Is this just the Castilla players now finally, they have confidence, they are uh, facing a worse team, um, they are the favorites. Um, and also... It, Sometimes I feel like Real Madrid are getting the first team. Are, they're getting sometimes a little bit of unfair treatment from the fans because it, because it is difficult to perform at the very highest level at all games. And of course, that's something we need to expect from the first team. We cannot, as Real Madrid fans, expect anything less. But it is mm-hmm. difficult to to maintain the highest level uh, game after game after game. Um, so for Castilla. Maybe they thought this would be uh, 
a good time to not rest, but at least just um, save some energy in uh, what's going to be a long and tough season. But that if, if that was the case, it backfired. Um, but but I also need to mention that it did get better in the second half. So it wasn't like it was like this all game. It seemed like Raul uh, <laughs> talked to them uh, during the break, and it did get better after the break. Hmm. But the way I uh, the way I see it is like the, you mentioned that you know um, they've been playing well and stuff. But like at the same time, their their the, the last like three or four games. They haven't really like even the games they won. They didn't really deserve the win, did they? Like, I mean, well, the last, yeah. the I think the the game in midweek, Castilla were the worst team for 75 minutes, and then they just scored two goals, won the game. Yeah, because this was the game I didn't watch because I was at work. But uh, yeah, so I don't know how they performed there. I was actually going to ask you that um, to just describe shortly. So you already said it. It, it wasn't that great in in midweek either. Yeah, it wasn't like um, it wasn't the, their best performance. Like they, they were they were looking like they were the inferior team for 75 minutes, and then uh, something just happened. They scored two goals, and they just regained confidence, and they won the game. They they they, they managed to win the game, but the performance itself it wasn't as good as we've seen them play this season. So what what do we think is the reason for for the the, these performances then hmm. I don't know like I don't it's really almost impossible for us to know because we, we're not on the inside but do yeah. you see any patterns maybe or I think like they, they, there have been a few really weird uh, um, like team choices like the Raul's decision making when it comes to the lineup has been kind of like weird lately. Like he, uh, Obrador has been really good uh, as of late, but he didn't start the last game. Uh, mm. Instead, uh, Peter Federico started there uh, as a left wing back, and he was atrocious. Mm. And okay. he was subbed off at halftime, and Obrador came in. Everything looked better. Like it's just like okay. kind of odd to see. Like obviously growing pains with Raul, I guess, but like why? Like I don't understand his uh, his resi- like I don't know why he's so resident on just playing Peter at left wing back. He just keeps like you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> I guess it's because he wants three center backs and he doesn't want to drop Peter. I, I guess, but but as as we have talked about, it's it seems like Peter is falling. I don't know if this is an expression in English as well, but falling between two chairs, like he's not. Uh, he's not either a left back or a winger. He's just in between, which doesn't suit him that much. But hmm. so he did have a poor game last time. What what was uh, what was bad about his performance? He, I mean, he wasn't really tracking back. Uh, he, I think he left his marker, and I in, in the in the goal. It was that the goal that we conceded. I'm not really sure, but he left his marker, and uh, there was some miscommunication with Rafa Marin. I think mm. that was the game I'm talking about. Um, mm. And apart from that, he was just like he wasn't tracking his his man. He wasn't going like he wasn't doing much going forward. He wasn't doing much staying mm. back. So he was subbed off at halftime. Obrador came in, looked really good. And I wanted to actually talk about him. Uh, yeah. I I was on Real Madrid Fabrica's uh, Twitter and I saw that 
Obrador had a really good game. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, I think he's uh, been much better lately, and um, he's uh, he's giving so much energy to the team. He's running up and down the field, and um, uh, I still see him as kind of a limited player, but um, uh, he he is more of a proper fullback than uh, Peter is, for example. So um, I think we have a lot of different options. Uh, Raúl has also used um, Marvel. Uh, and you know, in addition to Peter, as we talked about, but Obrador, mm, he's got many options uh, at the left wing back spots. What? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think uh, this has been a very good few weeks for Obrador. I, th- I thought that he was going to be <laughs> left out forever after the first two games where he started during the season, and then he was making these mistakes, and Raúl just didn't play him again. So I thought that he was just frozen out or something but um um my biggest question is you play Talavera the one of the worst teams in the league um do you need the three center backs uh you mentioned that he played four at the back during midweek and maybe if that didn't work maybe that's one of the reasons why he chose to play three at the back three center backs but Three centre-backs against one of the worst teams in the league. It seems... I don't know why that's that should be necessary. Yeah, I don't I don't know why. Like, I didn't know he started three at the back again this, uh, in this game. But, uh, like, yeah, I mean, there's no reason for him to really have that much, um, like, defensive acumen present. You don't really need three centre-backs against... Even if you say, like, they've been pretty good as of late they're still at the bottom of the table yeah and they're like they're prob like you could probably get away with using four defenders and like two center backs mm. yeah it's at the same of... time um the i guess changing the formations too much especially when you you're in a good streak you're winning <laughs> you're 10 games unbeaten i mean and most of the games we've played with um three center backs uh, i don't know how many i've been with four at the back but um i can understand if he he doesn't want to change uh this winning recipe but well I, this was just something i was thinking about i'm not sure if that's i don't think that's the main reason for us not winning this game i think there were uh, a lot of other factors it's very easy to just look at the formation i mean that's it's pretty basic uh, but um but I, it was just a thought um for example Iker bravo if he doesn't start this game oof, doesn't look good for him if um, not even uh, against this uh, Talavera team. He he could have played, for example, up top next to Alvaro. But uh, well, well, yeah. I mean, he did he did start again. He he did, he did start in midweek though. He did he start. Okay, okay, okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. he he was really like he was not good. He was subbed okay. off for Alvaro Rodriguez and he scored. So I don't think he's going to get a start. Um, so did Alvaro start on the bench in midweek? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, yeah, maybe. He, yeah. Maybe Raul, he has to plan Raúl for to to integrate him after all. Yeah. Maybe. I think Raúl started the game with a, with a, a three at the back in, in midweek as well, but then after halftime, I think he switched to a four two three one. Okay. Okay. And yeah, yeah. things improved. And, and I was assuming that if things improved and he was facing a lowly team, mm. like quote-unquote, um, 
the in the next game I, I i assume he'd like go for the for the back again but he didn't mm. yeah but this is a problem that i have no clue on the neither the quality of the opposition or uh, how they play tactically or nothing i have no idea their identity i just uh, so, so it's difficult for me to analyze what roles should have done uh, differently but um uh, i just think the players weren't that Keen on I think it was. I think it was about the attitude, maybe in the first half. I, I just. Um, um, I think they could have played much, much better. I don't think it was about the opposition. I don't think it was about the formation or the players. I just think it's um, maybe for different reasons they just weren't up for it. Then they turned it up in the second half, uh, so they showed that they they do have it in them, and uh, they did create some decent chances and hit the post and uh yeah so it's not that bad of a performance but um it's uh yeah it's worth noting also just before i forget it um it does seem like we could lose uh dotor for at least one game maybe more because he managed to get a red card in the dying minutes mm. oh a very, very, very soft red card. That was just a little bit of an embarrassment from the opposition player. Uh, it, I think Dottor was sent off for a punch, but you know what I mean when I say it was more of a slap. It was more of like, he just barely touched. Mm. There, there was no proper uh, replay of it, but I, we could see that he's just barely touching the opponent. He falls to the ground, rolls around. Dottor gets the straight red. Mm. There mm. had already been some uh, arguing between the players before this, and then, yeah, ends up during the dying minutes. I don't know if it was how many minutes were left, but uh, the most important is that we will probably have to play without Dottor. I don't know how the rules are for these kind of actions in uh, at this level, but at least one game, uh, maybe two or three. Yeah, and that's a shame because um, Dotor has been one of Castilla's best players this season. Yes. And um, even like, even if I'm not the biggest fan of him, he's still really important because he yes. is everywhere. Like, he's mm. sometimes he's defending, but so so many times you see him drifting to the to the wing or drifting into the box, uh, receiving headers. I don't know uh, what uh, Raúl is going to do now. I think he might um, go for like a four-two-three-one with um, Alvaro Martin and, um, for example, Mario Martin, Mario Martin or yeah. he could also play VR. Um, so uh, he he does have options. Theo uh, could maybe get a. Oh, a, a Theo start started the game last time and he was really bad. Theo what, started against. How many yeah. things did I miss during the last <laughs> game? I, 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 Bravo starting and uh, Theo starting. Hmm. I should. Maybe I need to go watch this game again because. Uh, hmm. I'll tell you the lineup if you want. Yeah. Interesting that uh, that he tries. I'm gonna go to the last. Um, uh, okay. So we played Rayo Majadahonda. Okay. All right. Another relegation team of another side uh, who are placed in the relegation zone. Um, mm-hmm. Another Madrid side also. Madrid based. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you the lineup? Yes. Okay, so Marvel, Luis, m- in goal. Yep, and Vinicius, Tobias, Rafa Marin, Marvel, 
uh, Edgar Pujol and yeah, that, that's it. That's the defense, I think. Okay, then, but Peter no, did start, Peter right? So he's with yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. kind of a five. Yeah, five at the back. Five yeah, at the back. I forgot. <laughs> and then Dotor and Mario Martin were in the midfield, and Theo Zidane was also there. I don't know what, really? what position he played, but he was there. And Arribas and Ikebrab up top. Okay, it's not that many changes, but uh, yeah, uh, Edgar and uh, Theo Ike Bravo. Yeah, well, yeah, I think. I mean, uh, this is also an interesting subject because how much do you rotate? Raúl hasn't rotated that much, but he he has rotated out of necessity because of injuries, for example, to uh, Alvaro Carrillo and you know other other Maybe different players. Guys. Yeah, so he has. T- rotate a little bit but not necessarily by choice so during a long season you do have to to change it up a little bit to give players rest so i guess that's why during the midweek game he he chose to do this that's probably something he has to do more and the consequence is you maybe feel the weaker team and you could end up losing points but the ironic thing is that when he did now field one of his stronger teams um he, that's when he lost points, but yeah, as you said, they didn't play that well in midweek either. Yeah, they just, they just got the win. Like, I mean, it happens. Like, you you play, you don't play well, but you get the win. I think that's the kind of wins that win you titles. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, this should have been one of those games as well, from from what I've heard from you. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't. No. So uh, yeah, but but at the same time, I'm not. I'm not that uh, worried. Um, I thought I saw um, good effort from the players uh, after the break, um, playing uh, much better. And um, I was thinking Castilla now. I, th- I think they're uh, they are a proper team to me. They are a proper team now. It's uh, um, yeah. So I'm not that worried, but. Um, <laughs> And it's also a bit risky to talk about a poor form when we haven't lost for 10 games. But um, it's also, we shouldn't take it for granted that these points will keep coming if the performances are not so good. So, yeah, it's worth noting, definitely. Yeah, because uh, Castilla moved up to second in the table, I think, after their win midweek. But now they're back to third because Elgorkon won their their game. Yes, so now they are... Yeah, they're four points behind Cordoba, one point behind Alcorcón. They are two ahead of Racing Ferrol and then uh, three ahead of Deportivo. So it's a close race. Um, it is not going to be easy to to get this promotion. And uh, if we had Chris on, he maybe could have helped us with how if we do get into the playoffs, how tough will that be? I'm sure it will be very difficult because they have reached the playoffs several times during the last decade, but rarely have they... Uh, achieve the the promotion afterwards so it's a very difficult uh divisions to to get out of yeah That's something cool, i also huh? want to mention is that for, for those who don't follow castilla that closely um oh i've already forgotten when but there was a shift in the um, uh, in the division system in spain i don't know how to call it but so they changed it up a little bit so uh, if you can just say it in a few words, the level of the Segunda B is now higher than before. There are fewer teams, 
uh, they change it up so that there are fewer teams and um, it is higher quality. So Castilla doing this well in this division means that they are probably better than in many years, uh, even though that maybe they have performed at a similar, they have gotten similar results in previous years. They are now doing it at a higher level. So that's worth noting. Mm, yeah, I agree. The level has definitely uh, is gone up, yeah. and uh, it's going to be really tough for Castillo to get their promotion if you know they need to be consistent and they need to win games. I'm not yes. like as you said, I'm not really like worried because I think they are still like they they are still ten games unbeaten, but they do need to win the games that are like quote unquote easy on you know at least on paper. What what's what's good now is that after winning so many games, now we have um, during the last three games we have one win and two draws. But Castilla winning those games before is what allows us to have some slip ups and still uh, remain in the race. While before this was a problem, we winning one, losing one, drawing one, maybe one win, one loss, and then. We could never get this winning streak. Those winning streaks are so important if we want to to get the promotion. So, okay, maybe not the best performance uh, now this week, but um, the good work that's been done beforehand will uh, will give us um, some time. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather they win, they they draw the game than lose it. So yeah, yeah, of course, I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think there's not much else left from the game. No. Um, but we do have some a couple of questions from from some 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 of our followers on. Yes, on I asked on uh, Twitter. I didn't give uh, them many minutes to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but I also asked on Discord. To be honest, I haven't noticed. Um, I, I'm not sure how much promotion there's been around this uh, discord of managing madrid but uh yeah so i've i've uh, asked question there and um yeah you have them i sent them to you right yes you did uh i can read them out for you if you want yes okay um one of the questions was actually uh kind of something like it's about Vinicius tobias right Yes. So, um, at 91 Slander asked, what do you think happens with WS? I assume he means after, like, you know, what happens to him in terms of whether he stays with the with the team or not, or if he gets promoted to the first team. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say if I were just, if I just had to choose between, okay, there are just two options. One, Roundred activate this um, this clause of 18 million, which I think it is, or B mm-hmm. they let him go. I think them letting him go is more likely. But of course, um, if Vinicius Tobias likes it at Real Madrid, he feels that they believe in him and they do believe in him. The club wants to keep him. I think it's a good possibility that they will at least try to sign him at a lower cost. I don't think that's I think that should be possible. I think it should be possible to negotiate and maybe sign him for a little bit less, maybe closer to 10 million. But even 10 million, it's it's a lot for 
or rested a lot because Vinicius Tobias he has improved lately. He also in this game he creates chances, good crosses, good on the ball. Mm, still very young fullback. I think mm. um, if I had to bet on it, mm, maybe I would say he he stays if we could negotiate and get the the transfer fee a little bit lower. If we can manage to do that, I think it's a uh, it's a good chance of him him staying. Interesting, uh, because from what I read about Vinicius Tobias's performance uh, in this game on uh, Real Madrid Fabrica, he was uh, he was pretty good from from what I read. And mm. I didn't watch this game, but I watched the the midweek one, and he was the best player on the pitch. Okay, nice. Yeah, he was defending well. He was going forward. He had the assists. To the first goal, I think. Yeah. And it was a really good pass. You should you should watch the, the yeah the I watched goals. the goals yeah yeah yeah. So I think he's slowly improving uh, as a player and obviously he's very raw. He's really he's really young, but um, I think that Real Madrid do believe in him at least mm. a little bit and I think they might like if if this form continues to the end of the season and he keeps improving, I think they might try to not like. Until the end of the loan spell, I guess uh, they might try to uh, sign him permanently. But yeah, as you said, 18 million is still a lot of money, so I think they'll try to negotiate if that is possible. But I don't. I, if it isn't, then I mean, I I still put my money on them going and you know just sealing the deal. Because what if he you know has take if what if he takes a really like massive leap in the next two seasons and becomes a at least a rotation player for the first team who knows mm, yeah yeah and also we got to consider that the market for fullbacks is always it's always difficult to sign a top fullback and yeah, exactly. um, there are now rumors oh this is ooh, this is an interesting interesting um, question which we didn't get this we have to answer the other one as well um, yeah. but there are rumors the Madrid will sign another Brazilian. He's just 16 years old, Endrick. And uh, do you think he will be, if he ends up at Real Madrid, will he be a Castilla player first and foremost in his uh, first year in Spain? I I don't think so because he's no? 72 million. I mean, it's a lot of money. And like, okay, maybe because like it depends on. I think it depends on the on the players that the first team has in his position because. He, I mean, even if he's like really young, they are still signing him for seventy-two million. I don't, I don't think they're gonna put him. Yeah, but I think uh, Rodrigo was, if you include the taxes and everything, I think it was almost fifty-six million or something. And Vinicius, oh, forty-five. I, I don't, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I, what the reason for Hendrik being this expensive is that we have to trigger the clause, and then because of triggering the clause, we have to pay taxes. So instead mm. of having to pay just sixty billion, which I think is his release clause. By forcingly activating it, if that's a word, uh, we have to pay 72. Um, so, I mean, it's a big, big sum, but it's also not that much of a difference to Vinicius and Rodrigo, who did start uh, playing with Castilla. And although I don't think Hendrik will be like just playing with Castilla and training with Raul and never being with the first team group, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think it's a good chance of him at least being registered with uh, mm. Castilla, getting a number 26 or over. 
uh, with the first team and playing uh, with Castilla and then getting some minutes here and there with the first team. So that's one of the very good uh, sides of Halloween Castilla to watch these young players if they get uh, minutes for Castilla. I, I remember how much Vinicius and also Rodrigo tore up the, um, the Segunda <laughs> B playing there. It's just, oh, that's... Um, I also, I have to go back. I don't remember perfectly, but I remember one game. I think maybe we started with Vinicius, Rodrigo, and Takafusa Kubo in the same Castilla lineup. I'm pretty sure that was uh, those three. So I don't think we'll get a replay of that. But uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see Enric with Castilla. Wasn't it uh, Reiner? Who who played instead of? Oh yeah yeah Rafa yeah Rainier yeah yeah, yeah yeah he also Rainier, he also yeah. played yeah uh, I I don't ooh um but he only played for half a he played for a very short time because I think we signed him in January 2020 and then the COVID hits wasn't mm. that because I think and then Castilla didn't play for the rest of the season so he 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 didn't play much but i really liked rainier at castilla so much that i actually still believe in him even though his career is not going well so but yeah mm, it's a very good uh, positive of following castilla just watching these young players at the this level yeah i mean I, I, like now that i think about it i, I, I do think he might play uh, at least a bit with Cassia because I completely forgot how much we how much we paid for Rodrigo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time. Yeah, but I don't think at the same like at the same time I don't think um he's gonna play that much because it dep- like as I said it depends on uh, the condition of the first team if like you know Benzema declines and he, he yeah or if he's not there I think and if we don't sign anyone to replace him I think Indrik would get a lot of minutes. Yeah, could be. And also, yeah. just uh, if people don't know, um, for Castilla, it, it works this way. If you play 10 games or less for the first team, I think maybe when you play your 10th game for the first team, you can no longer play with Castilla. But until mm. then, uh, Andrik could, for example, be called up to the first team Saturday, and then uh, if he doesn't get minutes play for Castilla Sunday. Uh, I think that's mm. how it works. Until he gets his 10th game for the first team, then he can no longer play with Castilla. But I think it's a no-brainer to register him for for Castilla first, and then he could get yeah. some uh, experience in sp- Spanish lower divisions and um, get some confidence there, hopefully. Mm. It's still, still yeah. a long way. First, we have to wait two years, and then we have to be sure that we actually do sign him. But... Um, it does look very likely, so it's it's uh, fun to speculate how. how I think that it's already. Um, I think it's almost done because uh, Fabrizio it, Romano tweeted it like a, a few days ago. I think yeah, it should it looks be. Looks like it's just the paperwork. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, at the same time, I mean, like, I do think, I mean, yeah, I I didn't think about the the whole like you know experience in Spain thing when I said that maybe he he shouldn't be that like, he wouldn't play. Uh, for Castilla that much but he yeah he's still like he might play a few games but at the same time I think his 10th game from Madrid would come a bit sooner than you know uh, yeah. some other players for, for I Castilla. think uh, either way I think it's a great thing to start them to at least register them with Castilla and yeah. then see just see how it goes because um, uh, gives them 
less pressure to perform right away. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, just if, let's say, Real Madrid sign Mbappé, Holland, um, which is not that unlikely in 2024, which is when Hendrik could arrive, mm -hmm. uh, when he's allowed to arrive in Europe. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be a lot of minutes for, for a 19-year-old. Uh, yes, he's there's a lot of hype around him now, but uh, I don't think it's a given that he will just walk into the first team. And uh, yeah. Vinicius, it did happen with Vinicius pretty quickly, but that was very different circumstances with the Solari and uh, everything, the chaotic season. Um, so I think it's a very good thing if if it happens. I like that Roundred have the possibility of registering registering them with the Castilla. So yeah, let's see. It's uh, but it's a big. <laughs> I remember last time when we spoke about this and Rodrigo and Vinicius and all of them were playing, how much are all of the other players in the Segunda B, uh, how much are they worth together? And then how much <laughs> is Enric worth just alone? 72 million. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very big difference. And Sam has yeah. talked also a lot about the ethics of this. So, hmm. mm. I mean, <laughs> imagine he's just like, you know, he plays five or six games, scores like 15 goals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility that if he's happen, that good. To be honest, it's it's more difficult than you than most people think to, to play in this game. I know, I know. I mean, I'm just like I was uh, throwing words away, but like at yeah, the yeah, same yeah, time, but, if he is as good as people say he is. Yeah, but because you are onto something because I remember Vinicius, the very few games he did play, he was scoring long shots, free kicks, and <laughs> he was getting bitten in the head, and he was yeah, everything. Was I remember happening. that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I'm not sure. How much Enric, how how it would perform, but um, yeah, now it's it's a good uh, thought experiment. Yeah, I mean, do you we'll see do how you that think, goes. Um, just do you think we should sign him? Just not about the Castilla or anything. Do you think the club should sign Enric? I I do think so because it's like with youngsters as like with such potential as Enric, uh, I think it's. Like obviously it's a gamble. Like seventy-two million is still mm. a lot of money, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you have to look at the other side of things. If it pays out, if if it pays off, you have a world-class, potentially world-class player mm. on your team. Mm. And you know, if it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off because Ranier didn't pay off, but Vinicius did, and Rodrigo has been playing really well. So I mm. mean, you take the chances with with the young players. I think that's how it goes. So I'm yeah. I agree. I'm okay uh, with this move. The only thing is, and I will admit that I was very skeptical about signing Vinicius because he was just, I think he was also just 16, 17 or something like that. So, yeah, and he, uh, like Hendrik, had just made his debut, I think, in the top flight of Brazil. So I was very skeptical back then. Now I do see the upside and I do absolutely think that we should sign Hendrik. The only thing is that um, let's you sign let's say you sign Vinicius for 45 million, and mm -hmm. it doesn't work out that well. He, I think with the potential of Vinicius, Rodrigo, Andrik, those kind of talents, I think it's very unlikely that they will. Well, Real Madrid could have sold Borja Mayoral for 20 million, you know. So that's that they will in like five years be worth at least 20, 30 million. I think that's a very good chance of that happening. So if you mm. sign a player for 45, it's uh, 
you know, getting at least the money back will be there's a good chance of that. If you yeah. sign a player for 72, there is a bigger economic risk for sure. I mean, I don't think it's a given that Endrick will be worth that kind of money in a few no, years. It's not I, a given. I think it's it's likely, and I think it's uh, enough of a chance that we should go for it. But yeah, 72 million, it's um, it is a lot of money. So if he like if he, if he flops completely. Like he and we will sell him for 10 million or something. That's a big loss. So something to consider, of course. But I do think it's worth taking the risk. Yeah, of course. Like there's there's obviously a lot of a huge gamble involved. But if it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, then you know, like yeah, yeah. You can't take you can't not take this uh, opportunity, I guess, because if he if he turns out to be as good as people think he would. 72 million it's a good amount like it's obviously a lot of money for a youngster it's a lot of money for any player any age but um if it works off if it works out then you know who cares the thing is the thing is if it works out like with vinicius how much would we sell vinicius for now what kind of offer would it have to be for us to accept selling vinicius i mean I don't think. Would you sell for two hundred million, for example? I mean, we gotta speak of those figures for us to even consider it. Yeah, I mean, look, I would. No chance sell. we would sell for hundred, for example. Oh, hundred? No, no, definitely not. No, no, no. I think is it definitely like, I think I think his market value is like around one hundred million, and he has a six-year contract with us, mm. or a five-year contract with us. So I think that also adds up and i don't really think i mean if you're only talking like you know hypotheticals that i don't think we even consider anything below one 180 200 yeah i agree i agree i think but i don't, just, I don't think yeah. we sell him like there's no way madrid are gonna sell him he, he's like he's like uh Ferris's prodigal son man yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also it's just the the problem now there is so much money in the market with Newcastle and Saudi Arabia, PSG, Qatar. Them pumping all this money into the, the sport means that there are there is so much money that there are only so many. There's just a few quality, quality top top quality players. Mm-hmm. So it's no way City wouldn't Manchester City wouldn't sell De Bruyne at least in his uh, prime years. Let's let's say 27 year old Kevin De Bruyne. Just Manchester City wouldn't sell him. They just wouldn't sell him. It would yeah. take an incredible amount for them to even consider it. It's it's not it's not on the table. Same with uh, Mbappé. Real Madrid <laughs> sent an offer. He has one year left in his contract, and Real Madrid offer two hundred million for a player with one year left on his contract. Who would, he he was very clear that he wanted to leave at that point. Didn't happen, mm-hmm. of course. So they it was worth a gamble for them. But that's the that's the place we are now. The, so much money, but the clubs don't need the money because if you if you take the money, yeah, okay, who you who will you use the money on? There's no players to. Yeah, it's impossible to replace those those kind of players. So. Yeah, that's why Real Madrid have to go this route, and uh, I think there will be a lot of reactions, but I think it's uh, the right move. I agree. Uh, we do have one more question. Yes. Um, let me see. 
Yeah, so with the World Cup coming to an end, Supercopa and Club World Cup coming up, will we see any call-ups from Castilla? Would be awesome to see Arribas, Vinicius Tobias, Alvaro Rodriguez or Iker Bravo get some minutes with the intense schedule coming up. Hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh, thank you to Silver Viper 53, Silver Viper 53 for, yeah. for phrasing it like, will we get any call-ups? That's a very comfortable question because I think, yes, we will see a call-up. That's very... <laughs> I think that's... Um, that's a given. I, I would be very surprised if that doesn't happen. But will they get minutes? Will they get starts? Will they get important minutes coming off the bench? That's another question. Um, and unfortunately, I think my answer to... If if it's just to get into the squad, get called up to the squad, I think yes, for sure. If it's uh, getting important minutes, I would say almost, almost certainly not. Because I know Ancelotti... Mm, he's a manager who prioritizes uh, giving minutes to the first team players and then um, after that he would have to take a lot of injuries I think for example Mariano is way ahead of Alvaro Rodriguez or Iker Bravo I don't think yeah. uh, even though they, they could be the future of the club I don't see Ancelotti mm, prioritizing uh, what is pretty much our B team and I can understand that policy. So I would hope to see Arribas and uh, the other guys, but I think it would take injuries, uh, which could also happen, of course. But um, I don't think it's very likely. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the same opinion. I, I think uh, out of all the players, Arribas has the biggest chance of getting some minutes mm. with the first team. But at the same time, it's like Ancelotti doesn't like that. I don't know why. He just doesn't yeah. like trusting his uh, his academy players but at the same time like i mean if there's any player on the on the uh, on the on the Garcia team it's aribas who would get the minutes but it's unlikely as you said that we'd see anyone play significant minutes yeah i think uh, maybe Vinicius Tobias as a wing back could um, could have could be an option i think um during, I remember um, during the Mourinho years, for example, Fabinho, he was at Castilla for a brief spell. Mm. And uh, he, he got his debut ahead of many other Castilla uh, players back then. Because I think I think maybe Round would like to try out if they have just signed a player for a short period of time. They like to try them maybe, um, maybe ahead of other Spanish players who will mm. be there permanently. I don't, I'm not sure. But uh, Arribas would be the one who just serves it the most, but maybe also the one who has the most competition for his uh, his position. So, um, um, yeah. But, yeah, let's hope. It would be fun. I think this is a good time for them. But we also need to remember that Castilla are in a very important um, promotion battle. So taking these players away from Castilla is that really a smart move? How much do we benefit from that as a club uh, mm. long term? If we mess up, yeah, if we mess up the this uh, great start that Castilla have had, I don't. I'm not sure if that's worth it. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good point. I think if you take Arribas out of this team, they they're not as good as they they are with Arribas, obviously. And um, if you take Arribas out and put him in the first team, Castilla will, will definitely stop, like suffer. Yeah. And 
uh, it just depends on what uh, Real Madrid's pro- priority is because if they don't like if they don't care as much about Castilla getting promoted, then we probably see Arribas play a few games, maybe a few games. Yeah. In the in the you know in in some other like some not as significant games, but I don't see Arribas. I don't see Arribas playing like playing more than like three or four games at max, even if mm. that happens. Yeah, that we would take a lot for that to happen, even four or five games. Yeah, but um, yeah, let's see. It's um, it will be interesting, but uh, I think Raúl needs them more, and I think that's where they will be. Uh, yeah, playing and, first and foremost, of course. Yeah, and uh, they've mentioned Iker Bravo, but he's not even getting minutes for Castilla, <laughs> so I don't think he's playing for um, the first team. You know, it wouldn't actually surprise me if that happened, that it's just suddenly Iker Bravo would uh, turn up at the, the first <laughs> season and then uh, scoring the goal. And then, oh, I wish I had the Sam here because, oh, didn't we have a similar case? Didn't we have a similar case? I think maybe Reguilon, he went, oh. uh, he, he wasn't that good for Castilla, I think. And then hmm. suddenly he was just starting every week with Solari. So, uh uh, I take this with a grain of salt because I'm not 100% sure. I think maybe I mix it up with another player, but uh, yeah, so um, could happen. Also, um, Miguel Gutierrez, he wasn't that great for Castilla, but he he's uh, proven that he, he's had a lot of good games in the top flight. So some players, mm. and also Casemiro, I remember back in time, he wasn't that impressive for Castilla. Uh, then went straight to Porto. Mm, yeah. So yeah. happens. Yeah, I mean it might happen with Ikarawa. He might like you know play a lot better with better teammates around. But I I think he he might actually get a call up because um you know the depth in the attack isn't that much. But I don't see him actually getting minutes. No, but Ikarawa is actually kind of a perfect player to call up for the first team. I think that's uh, because one he probably is good enough to be able to come off the bench and at least do something if, if everyone else is out. And also, you wouldn't uh, hurt Castilla too much by taking him out. So maybe mm. that's something to consider for Andre now that he's lost his place completely with uh, Castilla. Yeah. Wasn't there one more striker that Castilla signed? Um, when? I'm not sure. I think Noel Lopez. Yeah, Noel Lopez from Deportivo, yes. Mm, oh. What happened to him? What happened to him? What happened to Alvaro Leiva? He, Alvaro Leiva came on in this uh, game. And played just a few minutes. He he looked sharp, but for some reason, Raul has his uh, has some players he he favors and some players he doesn't like. So Raul is not that kind of a play- manager who just gives out minutes to everyone in the squad. Uh, mm. I had I had honestly almost forgotten about Noel Lopez, but uh, yeah, he was. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't he play a game? Well, he, uh, he has played. Start- he has played, but um, yeah, and and I, 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 th- I think he was okay. He wasn't bad. No, I do think he looks decent. He's uh, pretty quick and pretty pretty good on the ball. He can play as a striker, play as a winger. But yeah, it's just Alvaro Rodriguez has just been too good. And uh, yeah, yeah. also the system doesn't favor other strikers because Arribas is uh, taking up one of the striker striker positions in a lot of games. Do you wanna do you wanna hear a, a hot take? Yeah, sure. Um, Noel Lopez, I think he played a few games at the start of the season. I think he was better 
than Ike Bravo. Like, oh. just just uh, on the basis of his performance and his presence, I mm-hmm. think he was better than Ike Bravo has been for Castilla mm. this season. Yeah. Because that, he was dropping uh, uh, back. He was helping the team. He was, like, working really hard. And he played really well. He didn't score, but he actually played well. And I don't know why he was dropped. I mean, I know why he was dropped. He was dropped because of Alvaro Rodriguez. But I think he did deserve a, a few more chances. Mm. But, yeah, I mean. But something, I don't know. something must have happened to him because... And this is where Real Madrid are pretty poor when it comes to information on injured players and stuff like that. But he has not even been in the squad, according to Transfer Markt, since game week five, when mm. he did have an assist um, and played 86 minutes. This is um, hmm, this is weird. This is something we need to to find out. What happened to Noah Lopez? Yeah, I mean, I was I'm looking at my notes for him on uh, on on Noah Lopez from the game on the 25th of September. I don't know who it was against, but I I wrote good things about him, and I yeah. I was really impressed by him. I don't know why he's not playing anymore. No, I, I haven't seen... Um, he hasn't been mentioned on any any people I follow. I haven't mentioned him hmm, since the last year. Hmm. Yeah, I almost forgot his name. This is, uh, this is very weird, but... Uh, Lopez. Yeah, we will have to do some research before the next game. The forgotten Castilla players. The forgotten Castilla players. There, there are a few. There are a few. Yeah. Let's see what happens. I hope he does get some minutes, man. He's. I, I really think he's pretty good. He's not yeah. like obviously he's not insanely good or he might be. I haven't seen him much, but I think he does deserve a few more minutes. Definitely more than Iker Bravo, because Iker Bravo like. I'm 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 looking at my notes for him throughout the season. I gave him a 4.5 rating. Mm. In uh, I think in, in in a game, I don't know which team it was against, but it was in October, and he was really bad. And I think the same thing was in the in the midweek game. The, uh, like he's just not been very good, and I think Noel Lopez should be above him in the pecking order. Well, I, maybe I'm not sure. I haven't. I need to go back and look at the highlights and stuff to consider who has been better. But I, I'm not sure if I agree that Noah Lopez should play ahead of him because, to me, it seems like Iker Bravo has clearly the biggest potential. Uh, to be, you know. So, I'm always in favor of trying to give those players a little bit more minutes to just to see if they can fulfill their potential and yeah, I mean just a few months ago Ike Bravo was considered one of the top talents in Spain so uh, yeah, I'm not saying he's he doesn't have the potential I think he's more talent like overall more talented than than Noah Lopez but just based on form as I said in the at the start just based on form I think Noah Lopez deserves at least like some minutes if he can't be above yeah. uh, Ike Bravo in the pecking order he does deserve some minutes because you can say all you want, like Ike Bravo hasn't been good, and he's like the fact that he's so highly rated by by Spanish people. To, for him to play the way he's playing right now, in my opinion, is just really disappointing. And Noah Lopez has been better, even if even though he hasn't played that much. So I think he does deserve a few few starts and maybe even like 
at least for now, you know, ahead of him. Yeah. Ahead of Igarabo. Because Igarabo yeah. is still very young. I think he's like 17 years old. Yeah, he's very young. So he can improve. He will get his minutes, I think. But mm. for now, I think Noel Lopez should, should at least get a few minutes. And uh, but what's for sure is that Castilla have great depth uh, when it comes to uh, the attacking options and uh, yeah they have uh, good center backs, good midfielders, yeah a lot of yeah. options on uh, on the wings. It's uh, yeah it's looking good. This is what you need to to play consistently during a long season. I agree. I agree. All right, that's it. I guess almost mm. one hour. I wasn't expecting it to go for this long. <laughs> Me neither. It was, from such an uneventful game, it was, uh, yeah, this is a, a good amount of time to, to speak, yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we just um, wrap it up there then? And um, let's hope we get uh, Chris back next time. I think it was pretty close to, to joining today, but ultimately couldn't. So uh, good job on the... Um, the hosting role, Ridium. That was uh, <laughs> maybe more to come. Yeah, hopefully. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thank you. It's comfortable to to not be the host as well. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want to take it a little bit, it's. Uh, I think both me and Chris would uh, wouldn't mind. Um, I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, but um, let's say thanks to the listeners and um, until next time, Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. Thanks for listening, guys. And before we let you go, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and specifically to our $10 plus patrons who do so much to support the show. And if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get access to every single bonus episode we do and get guaranteed responses to your questions, you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez. Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Taleb Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samar Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, uh, Oscar Barrera, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Patrick Odiafati, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Magnus Lex, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Telekar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are freaking incredible. Thank you so much for being part of this family. Thank you for the support. We love having you guys here and look forward to continually growing this podcast with you guys. Appreciate it. Take care and hala marit.